these were these were lighthearted and nice and very very fun. hello. <laughs> it's car up no. Mm. Whoops. Back we go. Hello. This is a, oh my god. You want to do it? I can't do it. Hello. There it is. Uh this is subspace transmissions. He's, he's, he's more confident. Uh you know the the key is faking it till you make it, man. You always just sound like everything is great. Yeah. And then everyone believes you. I'm glad that there's a difference between our confidence and podcaster voice. Mhm. I don't I don't mind not being a crazy popular podcast. You know. I don't Yeah. We don't we don't chase ads. We don't pay for ads. We don't do any of that stuff. We have a good listenership. We get fun emails. And uh, that, that said, though, if you want to give us things oh, for sure. free look, or look. advertise on this podcast, you let us know. We are happy to sell out to you, the brand. Yeah, you know, we'll find somebody that can be positive about your stuff. Yeah, and they'll talk about it mm-hmm. in an ad-based format. But there's like a voice that you have to do. Mm-hmm. If you want to be like one of the top ten non-fiction podcasts, oh, you're talking about the Radio Lab voice guy, Radio Lab voice guy with NPR timing, uh huh, and like you, we'd need some sort of musician. Yeah, you gotta have you gotta have a in-house sound person so that they can have a bunch of little music cues every time you say something slightly dramatic, and then the story came out and then you take a 35 second pause while some music plays Mm -hmm. even though you're recording it you could just keep talking and you could just cut the music in but nope you pause i find that npr cadence sometimes infuriating infuriating yeah Uh uh-huh i hate so many of the things they produce (laughs) it's funny too because the journalism side of it is is decent to good many times. Like, yeah, sometimes it's light and not deep enough. Or like, you go, well, I wish you'd looked into something else here instead of this because there's really no story that you've finished here, mm-hmm. or the story that you did is based on, you know, something that's incomplete or whatever. Anyway, uh, not to bag on NPR who has tons of money that we don't have. I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't know. There, NPR is a is a good organization that tries to do good in a imperfect world. Yeah, but uh, I won't. Man, that yeah. pause, the NPR pause is just. It, it like, is a, could... it's a meme and a joke for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's I think specifically that Radio Lab guy is the one that infuriates me. Uh, I don't know that all the other podcast, ones do it. The serial podcast is really, really egregious about the dramatic pause for for no reason. And the thing about it that I don't get, because I'm not a radio personality, and maybe you would agree, if you've reported this story, you've spent months researching and reporting it, wouldn't you be like, but get this, this is the crazy, and you'd be excited to tell people the crazy stuff you've learned, right? Yeah. I would not yeah. be I would be stumbling over myself. So part of that two things going on there, right? Number one, NPR is actual radio and there's like people expect things about the way people talk on the radio and which is yeah. dumb. Um well, again, like yeah. that's why podcasts are popular is because everyone got sick of listening to 
you know, the transatlantic accent maybe guy we should giving do that. you the radio. Maybe, maybe that's our shtick. We don't do NPR voice. We don't do podcast voice. We get our transatlantic on. Yeah. Extra, extra. Time to learn about the newest goings on on the Starship Enterprise. Oh, God. I Please. I can't even yes. keep that up we for more do, than two I, seconds. It's I really don't hard. have the stamina for it yet, <laughs> but maybe I'll just start practicing, and next time we do it, we'll say, and now we're taking back to the Starship Discovery in the 32nd century. Oh boy. Okay. Well, that's enough bagging on NPR for today. That was a pretty good podcast. How do you feel? Done? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All um, right. Hey, Star Trek. So, yeah, Star Trek. We so, are not talking about Discovery. Nope. Uh, that's, that's we're so we're so on brand. This is the the We Were Gamers podcast. We're sorry if you thought this was some kind of up to date um, modern uh, podcast where we actually like you know are on top of the latest trends or whatever. Yeah, we Discovery will watch season Discovery three. season three, uh-huh. um, but not today. <laughs> <laughs> we Maybe had we start about next month. We had about as much time this month as was required to watch the short treks from season two, and I'm really glad that's what we did because I got a lot on my plate before the end of the month. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot going on, man. It's oh. a crazy time of year. Uh, so yeah, so we're going to talk about some of the short treks, all the short treks. Uh, some more than others all the ones that we have not watched to this point yeah i did rewatch that picard short even though you told me okay. that it was the picard short because uh-huh. i wanted to like watch it after having watched picard mm-hmm. and i was like man this short after being really really depressing especially reading that picard book and knowing how horribly those people died mm-hmm. uh implies some sort of unity has happened that really once you watch the show you're like man people just turned in turned on each other after this thing happened and this unity did not yeah. occur i i did not rewatch the picard short um but okay. i i remember that it you know it it, it ends it, it, again it's eight minutes like what are you gonna sure. do here yeah, it's no like there's and most of the point of it is the the shock right to these right, kids yeah. That. yeah you know how their how their life is going to change and right. it is just a that premise that picard had it really just makes me sad for what happened with picard given how good that premise could be right sure yeah, yeah. like oh you could have this you know this this horrible tragedy this horrible event whether planned or unplanned or you know secret plot or whatever and then they just end up like the Picard is like an empathetic guy. He can come in and help people understand and like come to resolutions that nah, man, we're going to have space that, adventure and I, fight aliens. And I mean, punch let's and go, people let's, all the time. let's go back to last episode. You'd understand how Picard became who he is, who is not the Picard you expected to see on screen. If you got the info from the book and that's the thing that like, I get why they did what they did with Picard, which is jump the timeline ahead and shock you with a Picard that's not Picard. I wish even if they had done that because that's what they wanted to do, they had integrated filming some of the stuff in this book because a lot of it takes on like Picard's waywardness as he has been on this mission to save the Romulan people 
and it all the carpet gets pulled out from under him and he can't pick himself back up you know what i mean so that's enough about picard i think what we should do is do q and a and ask not first okay because that directly deals with discovery season two and strange new worlds yeah uh and they're also very easy to talk about. Sure, yeah. And, okay. And they're the most simple ones. I expected more of these short treks to be about the Enterprise crew, Pike, Number 1, and Spock, than occurred. Did Were you the same, or was it just me? Um, I mean, I, I feel like last time we got one short trek that had, like, a main Discovery cast member. Yes. That was... And all the rest were kind of just like new people, new things. Here you go, doing some stuff on the side. So I wasn't too surprised. Um, but the one, so I guess, by the fact that we got like main cast members in three of the five is pretty good. That's true. Then. The one that we did get last season ended up making its way into the show. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. With Tilly, uh, it uh, this completely unexplained and totally not really like, oh, this is Tilly's friend. Like, yeah, if you didn't see the short the track, short you would track. have <laughs> no idea who that girl was, why she showed up, how she could magically do all this stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I'm okay with it, but it definitely was probably very confusing for certain people that were not. You know, I don't know. Everybody that watches Discovery is probably really into Star Trek at this point and probably watched it. So, yeah, yeah, fair. I Discovery I feel got hammered pretty hard in the first season when people it wasn't, you know, it wasn't TNG again and right. people were like, I think at this point if you're still watching Discovery, you just you have decided that you're going to go along with whatever stuff they're up to. Hey man, um, with this time jump, I was like I was going to watch it. But like now, I'm actually kind of interested to watch it. So, anyway, let's start I, with the. I am. Yeah. So, want to do Q and A first? Then? Yeah, let's do Q and A. I'll recap we'll it here not. real quick, and then we'll talk about it. Ensign Spock beams yeah, aboard man. the Enterprise with a smile on his face. Uh, he meets Number One, and they get stuck in a turbo lift. And then yeah. you know, uh, and that's they, the that's they, the thing, right? So number one's premise for this episode is that she wants, because he's a science officer, to be pestered with questions until she's annoyed. I assume this was like her. This is the glib line you give to the new recruit as you walk him to the bridge to show him the bridge and then be like, okay, I'm leaving now. You could go do yes. your, uh-huh. your job so that these questions don't have to follow me anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, this backfires tremendously. As they get um, stuck as, in a turbo lift as they together. they get stuck in a turbo lift together. <laughs> um, the number one thing, when he says, I'm Ensign Spock, and then she says, you can call me number one. That thing has become so conspicuous at this point. Yeah, man. Like, she has a name. Come on. But, or, I mean, it's just so conspicuous at this point. She's either an android or something else is up. Yeah, it, it. They are having to bend themselves over backwards and twist into pretzels, yeah. to not give you a name at this point. Well, at the end of this, he says her name is Una, right? Um, because um, they had created some sort of hybrid matrix for the replicator, right? Yeah, I don't, 
I don't know what that's about. She invented something, and then oh. they're like, oh, well, so okay. it's the Una Matrix because she's number one, see? Oh, I see. So shouldn't it be Uno or Una? Where's What language is Una? Uh, bro, I don't, why are you asking me questions? I don't know how languages work. Uh, I want to talk about some of the questions they ask while they're stuck in the turbo lift because I thought a couple of them were interesting. Okay, good, because... I kept one thing that I thought was fascinating and the rest of them I forgot about. You want to talk about the prime directive one? Is that the one that you kept or no? No, actually I kept something else, but let's talk about the prime directive. So Spock asked the question, do you think that the prime directive is morally indefensible or something to that, Uh um, that effect? Uh, I think there is, there is an argument to be made that the prime directive is morally indefensible and not a, not actually the good thing that Starfleet says says that it is. What was her answer, or was it one of the peppered questions that she didn't answer? Oh, I, I think it was one of the peppered ones. Where then she was like, you know, I like no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they they weren't like she rolls her eyes and like lays her head against the, the bulkhead or something. Right. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I think that Starfleet lays out, you know, for being, you know, talking about being humanitarian and being, you know, this force for good and all these things. The Prime Directive is kind of a, like, we have our toys and you can't have them kind of a mentality that you sort of have to use there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, the the moral aspects of it are probably i i I think are probably pretty hard to square with the rest of the things that starfleet wants you to do like and how they want their people to be we Um, have we have a scientists on earth have a somewhat tenuous version of the prime directive when dealing with indigenous populations on on -hmm. earth uh, if you go to places in the Amazon, et cetera. Sure. It's a it's a tough one because they they embed themselves with these populations and they don't bring technology with them. They don't help them create new technology, but they don't right. hide technology, which is what the Prime Directive says to do. And the Prime Directive specifically says not only hide it, like you can't alter anything about yeah. what they do. In any way, because you might taint them or something. So this is what I wonder about the Prime Directive a little bit. And maybe we need to do a deeper dive because I'm sure someone, people have written books about this. Oh, yeah. Like, I was just going to say, I bet somewhere there's like an 800 page, like, philosophical treaty on this. If you know of a good book on the Prime Directive, email podcast at wewaregamers.com. Yes, please. I would read this book. I wonder if it's like modern law picture the magna carta Mm -hmm. and how simple the magna carta is right these are the rules for just kind of not being as bad as you are has became an entire governing system in the in um in england right i think the funny thing sorry i'm about the magna carta is a specific set of rules that apply to these like barons in england Right, it's like the king can't do these things to the barons, right? To these, exactly. to these barons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't protect people. No, it though. does not. It specifically doesn't protect people. Nope, it doesn't. 
but unless be- you are a baron, the Magna Carta doesn't help you at no, all. But this is my point, right? No, yeah, I, I know. I just think it's funny that you know, there are people that think like the Magna Carta has like some kind of effect on their life. It gives them rights or something. Sure. Unless you are a baron, it gives you nothing. And right. in fact, even if you are a baron, these days most of the portions of the Magna Carta don't matter, and like they have been superseded by you know real laws. Okay, so this is where I'm headed. The Magna Carta then would you would somewhat lay out as the beginning of a parliamentary governance. Which... It, it is a it is the seed that then eventually grows into the tree, right? So Archer creates the prime directive accidentally through saying we shouldn't mess too much around, you know, all these planets that, that don't need us. Mm-hmm. His point, his point when Archer kind of creates it, and I'm, I might be remembering it a little bit wrong because I haven't watched enterprise in a long time, but Big you know, same. He's, he's credited with creating this prime directive because his, his interpretation of the first thing that star, star Trek star fleet should do is more in line with the medical philosophy of do no harm. And mm-hmm. so when he intercedes in the situation that creates the prime directive, he he realizes that he has done harm by trying to intercede where maybe if you if you took that and you waited, you know, 2 300 years, you end up with the prime directive we have, which is the Michael Crichton butterfly effect version of like if you step on yeah. an ant on that planet you are going to jail for the rest of your life. And you're like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. I don't know if this is what Archer was talking about. This, you isn't know? The in- this isn't the intent here. And the, you know, you bring up Enterprise, uh, and it's a good, you know, the stuff that happens in that show, right? Like, there's the whole temporal Cold War stuff they get into, and, like, a whole bunch of things that, like, probably informed his opinions on yeah, this stuff right exactly because mm-hmm. he had all these crazy events and stuff that happened to him and they were really the first ship out there you know yeah um it's interesting i just i found that line interesting that like that, that that the writers would bring that up which i know is a thing that people have said in the past and have spock say it is you know i who knows whether Spock believes it or not um i just think it's interesting i wonder if there's a prime directive still once we get to the future um, the, is there a Starfleet or still? Yeah, who knows? Probably. Uh, might not be the same Starfleet. You know, might be more of an insular yeah. situation. Yeah, it could be. I thought the fascinating thing was hearing about Pike from Number One. He said, oh, give, yeah. me, "Give me the three most salient facts about Pike," and it was yeah, that I... he will he will always hear you out and generally will change his opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the most decorated fighting captain in the fleet, but he doesn't like to fight. And then the thing about he doesn't he does he doesn't have like empathy for anything except for horses. Or uh, what was that the line? He doesn't have empathy. No, that's not. It was right, like right? it was something along the lines of he doesn't. It's, he he has he's not sentimental about anything except horses, basically. Yeah, sentimental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, I thought the wrong word there. The last part of that was fascinating because that means every captain of the Enterprise that we know of likes horses. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. We know Kirk does. Yep. We see him in several movies riding them. Picard carries Uh, around a saddle for a whole episode. Yep. And I'm pretty sure Archer talks about riding horses, too. 
and there are multiple episodes of Picard in the holodeck riding horses in the Wild West. Uh, huh. I'm pretty sure yeah. Archer talks about riding horses with his dad. I, the Archer one is the only one I can't picture, but I know all the rest have for sure. I know there's a Western episode. Okay. Called, Do they go to a Western planet or something? I know there's a Western episode. Uh, because I think that's how you... Oh, man, I can't remember which one it is. It's okay. It, there's a nine, he, he goes back to the cowboy times and rides a horse. And then okay. Tucker and Paul ride a horse. And sure. so I, I'm pretty sure that every captain of the Enterprise likes horses. I mean, hey, it, maybe is, it's a job qualification. You I know? mean, it's maybe just it's fascinating they list. stuck that in a short trek. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's a pretty, like, not small piece of minutia. Eh, I mean, it's, it's whether the minutia. guy likes horses or not is small. I potatoes. know, I know, but I think it's fascinating. It is, it is fascinating. The time to, like, wait a minute. Everybody likes horses. All right. Mm-hmm. Anything else on that one? Um, I mean, you know, uh, number one's thing is she apparently likes singing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So th- what was her point about that? Uh, if you want to be in command, you need to hide your weird. Uh, yeah. Because like, it freaks you, you people ha- out. You have to you know, keep your hobbies to yourself and kind of, you know, don't show your emotions and stuff, yeah. I guess. Do you do you like the way that turbo lifts work now? Which way? So they've the Kelvin timeline has bled two things back into the main timeline. And one of them, one of them comes up in another one. We'll talk about, uh, later, but this is one of the two things that has come from the Kelvin timeline, which is that turbo lifts exist in some gigantic empty space inside the ship. Oh, run on, being, run on rails of, all over the place. Instead of being elevators, you mean? Yeah, and if you looked at old schematics of like the Enterprise D or whatever, there were definitely turbolift tubes, right? So that you could take them side to side in the ship as well as up and down. Right. But like the turbo, in order to get a lot of places, like in fact, most of the distance in the way the Enterprise is laid out would be sideways. Yeah. Because the, the saucer is very long in comparison with tall. So you would be moving sideways much more often than up and down. Right. So they thought about that and they, they created sideways turbo lift tubes and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, there was never any like, and this might've been a limitation of the time you could argue. And uh, if you want to argue with me, I'll hear it out them mm-hmm. or you in terms of listeners. But this idea that these ships have gigantic amounts of empty space inside of them where all these whirling tubes are headed every direction and people yeah. it like that is blatantly a JJ Abrams CG fest thing that happened in the Kelvin timeline that has now bled back over. And like the ships are just not that big. And like, if you think about c- construction of a thing, you yeah, wouldn't you have this gigantic space empty like space. Uh, by the way, all of that empty space would have to be pressurized because, right. you know, air and stuff would just yeah. leave. Otherwise, you know, it's a, it makes no sense. And the, uh, I agree with you. The, um, I have a lot of criticisms about current Star Trek and the people who run it. And I think that that is one of them and that they are very willing to sacrifice almost anything to get spectacle. Yeah. And that, this is, is, that was our big complaint a, about the end of last season. Yeah, and 
and this is another case, right? Where even in the short treks, they are willing to sacrifice engineering and scientific, any kind of scientific sense to be like, yeah, look at this cool turbo lift shaft. You know, it's not Battlestar Galactica and it doesn't have to be right. There's sound and space in this. There's, techno mm. babble that gets people out of every bit of trouble yeah especially Look, you in, know and tng but at least in those days due to the limits of what they had to do with they created they created a aesthetic of science mm-hmm. and an aesthetic of engineering right like go look at the tng warp core it's mm-hmm. it's like a containment vessel that you would see inside a nuclear reactor almost right it's nothing i mean crazy yeah. you know they they got their inspiration and were like we're just doing this yeah and, and so like if you had created a warp core now or if you had let an, a jj abrams warp core bleed over it would be I some mean, sort of insanity when we get to ask not let's talk about the warp okay. core all right yeah you're right you're right um you know the, the final point about uh q a is that then you know as they're getting out she's like if you tell anyone yeah 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 pretty great uh, she pretends she doesn't know him on the bridge pike yep. definitely catches on that she does know him on the bridge yeah it was good yeah um do vulcans feel ah? yeah we just don't show it mm-hmm. it's, it's a nice little relationship that hopefully plays out the same way in the show they're they're putting together Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's my my hope is that we get stuff like this Q and A episode as episodes of Brave or is it Brave New World? Strange, Strange New World? New Worlds. Strange think. New Worlds. Brave New Worlds is a book and a video game. Yes. Okay, I think that's good on there. Uh, ask not. We'll just finish off all the Enterprise characters first. Sure. Kind of. Yeah. And then there's um, a nice little bridge episode with another. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Sum it up. Uh, ask not a cadet. Sadu. Yes. I uh, again. I had did not catch her name. Yeah. It's, I don't think she's a. I looked it up. She's not a character outside of Star or of Short Trek. So. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Uh, well, not good, but like. Well, she may end up I'm on Strange that, New Worlds or something, but she's yeah, not. I'm glad that I would did not intend. I did not miss her name. Um a vital character like to <laughs> well i just wanted to make sure she wasn't like a character we were supposed to have noticed on the yeah Enterprise that, that was that was what i was trying to like find out or uh like with uh the old the android they had no the cyborg they had gotten rid of like oh the actress plays a different character now you know yeah yeah but no she's just for this um she so did a good job spent, though yeah i i i enjoyed this one I didn't um, that much. Okay, but it's very it is it is very short. Um, so the cadet is in some N type room in a starbase. Uh, yep. We find out it's a starbase because someone says starbase. Yeah, they didn't tell us, uh, which is I confusing to me because I didn't know what ship they were on to start with. You know, and it turned out they weren't. Yeah, it. That's you're supposed to feel that way. You're supposed to feel like she feels, which is like completely cut yeah. off from information. Yeah. It, well, that's the the premise of the thing, right? Yeah. And so then two uh, Starfleet dudes 
barge in carrying a third person with a mask on who is a prisoner people she knows i would assume because she takes orders from them so right well as the cadet also she's probably taking orders from literally anyone right sure they would be outranking her um but they're like hey this is a prisoner there's been a mutiny or something something bad is going on you are going to have to be in charge of this prisoner don't let him leave this room whatever he says it doesn't matter um you know i'm gonna give you this phaser can you do this (laughs) And she's like, uh, and meanwhile, like there's explosions and the room is rocking and it's crazy. And so like there definitely could be, you know, she has reason to believe that things, crazy things could be going on. Right. Sure. In the typical Star Trek fashion, the panel is exploding and that's, that's bad. Uh, they take the mask off and it's Pike. Pike yeah, is the prisoner. This is problem number one for me. Uh, not problem, I guess, but like this is immediately when I knew what was happening. Oh yeah, okay. You know, when you're like, hmm. They 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 tell her they don't want people to know that this guy turned and that's why they're hiding him in there instead of the brig. Yeah. But then why would you take the thing off? Right. Like why not leave the mask on? Right. 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 You could have just done that. Because we be, well, because I figured at this point and then was proven correct, you know, he needs to talk to her. Right. Okay. Moving on. And and so and she's like, Captain Pike, like what uh, the what's going on? And they're like, he's, you know, he's turned traitor and there's the Enterprise is attacking this station or something. And like they're going on this whole thing. And she, they're like, OK, we're leaving you with this phaser. You keep him here. They leave. And it's just her and Pike. And Pike's like, all right, great. Now I'm in charge. So you cadet start doing things for me. And she's like, no. And then they start <laughs> quoting regulations at each other. I think they spend five minutes of the 10 minute episode quoting regulations yeah. at each other. Uh huh. That was pretty um, funny. Pike gives a little talk about the Tholian attacking them What's, and they found this. They tried- found this derelict ship that supposedly had been taken over and an yeah. admiral. And they give the, the whole, like, supposedly how this happened. So um, he's very specific about who attacked him and what's happening outside with the Tholians, right? Because her family was killed by Tholians. He, well, we learn later, yes. Later, yeah. Yeah, so that, um, you know, though these, this Tholian ship is trying to, was trying to take over the Enterprise. I wanted to go rescue this admiral and the crew, so I couldn't leave him there. So I countermanded the orders to leave, and I saved them. But then the admiral tried to relieve me of duty, and now I'm trying to get my ship back. And so I can get those Tholians, and I want to blow up their ship. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she's, like, getting very confused and is just, like, you know, wavering and then eventually like, all right, well, that's all well and good, sir. But like, you need to sit down. (laughs) I have the phaser. Yeah. (laughs) You can't go anywhere. Um, and then, you know, Pike's like, okay, turn on the lights. We're good. Uh, and like, haha, it was a Kobayashi Maru. Um, and although that's not, I mean, it was winnable, unwinnable situation. She, it was winnable, right? It was a, it was an interview essentially. Yes. Test. Um, Pretty garbage uh, way to interview your candidates. I really uh, think that Pike could have found better ways to do human resources than well, to traumatize people. N- number one took uh, took credit for that one, and I wonder they did not. They don't do that to everybody on the Enterprise. I I, wonder, this was going to be my question, Andrew. Yeah. How can you literally have a ship of thousands of people if you have to traumatize every single person <laughs> in your job interview, dude? It's going to take you. 10 years to get staff. So interestingly, she's still a cadet. She's not promoted to the Enterprise. She's doing a stint on the Enterprise as a cadet, 
in engineering. Yeah. So yeah, I wonder like... if they just do it to the cadets that get assigned to the ship, which is really. Maybe. I mean, like, I guess there are a lot. Terrible. There must be a lot of cadets, right? Yeah. So I guess this is the like the Enterprise being one of the top posts or whatever. This must be the like weeding out process to get the best cadets or something. Uh-huh. I think Picard would not do this. No, I think Picard would say that doing this is immoral and wrong. <laughs> I think I think at the minimum he would say it would not give you the full measure of the person. Agreed. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think the um, it is a very Pike thing to do, though, it, in that. It bleeds loves, Pike and number he one. Loves ac- he loves action. He yep. loves, you know, seeing people under duress and, and knowing they're, you know, forged in the heat of battle kind of a yep. thing. Absolutely. Um, Picard would, like, ask you to write a treatise, uh, a political treatise, and then, like, argue about it and debate it with you. Right. Uh, and mm-hmm. then discover that you were, like, harboring secret sympathies for, you know, some kind of horrible political philosophy and then tell you to leave. Sure. Um, I think this was cute but forgettable. Yeah, in the long run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. but I want to talk about the warp core though. So at the end, okay. like yeah, he's yeah. like, "Congrat!" He's like, "Congratulations!" You know, you're gonna get stationed on the Enterprise with her husband, and everything is gonna be wonderful. Uh, and then he drops her off in engineering and says, "Like, good luck," and then leaves. And you turn around and you see this picture of the warp core. Andrew, what the heck is this thing? It looks you... like, you know, what this thing looks like. This thing looks like the Bat Cave from the 1960s Batman. I was trying to find an old picture of the warp core from. Oh, from like the original series from the original series. But I, I don't know that I can find one easily. Um, my limited three seconds of Googling here has failed me. So yeah, it's not an easy thing to they find. Don't show most, the, they don't show it. Well, so they show the NX warp core, which is like a super right. old style warp core, which is more like a torpedo mm-hmm. or like a submarine. You know what it looks like? An NX warp core looks like a um it looks like a submarine diesel engine. Yeah, the big long thing with like tubes coming out of it and stuff. Yeah. Then there's yeah. the horrible warp cores from um the Kelvin timeline. If you look up, okay. So here's the, here's the memory alpha link. I'm just gonna put it in, uh, subspace, for you. Okay. If you click down in the gallery, there is a picture of two of the Constitution ones. I remember the one, the second one, uh, which is the one that Scotty works on in the motion picture movie when all all the people inside the warp core die. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is more, it looks more like a Hadron Collider. Right, like this is a big machine that has a bunch of stuff going on inside it. It doesn't look like the Star Trek warp core that you think of. Uh-huh. And then you have to get to the uh, 1701A before you get to a warp core that looks like the the warp cores we knew from yeah. Galaxy Class and Intrepid Class and all those other types of ships uh later on where you can see the pulsing lights and all that but i want to talk about the one where you can see leonard nimoy standing in front of a room Uh uh-huh what how are they going to marry what we saw in that short trek and this they don't they're just going to ignore it aren't they yeah yes they are uh the picture actually right before the leonard nimoy one though is the thing from 
this short trick. Yeah. This thing looks like the giant thing in the Batcave in the 1960s Batman. Right. It looks like some giant metal structure for I know no one knows what reason that thing was in the Batcave. Yeah. This thing looks like that to me. They really doubled down on these little robots on the Enterprise because you can see them in this picture. Mm hmm. The um, robots we've never seen before in Star Trek ever are correct, are everywhere now. Once again, Andrew, uh, the specter of CG just rears its head as they must have it always. We must have CG everywhere because it looks cool. Let's yeah. make a spectacle. Blah, blah, blah. This looks more like a warp core than if you page back to one or two, you can see the like Kelvin warp yeah, cores. Right. And the, this one looks like a, like a science project, like some kind of like big science experiment, which, yeah. you know, but warp these core warp core be. rooms are not usually this big. Yeah. So like, that's the other thing too, right? This is like, again, they love giant open spaces. You would never design right. something like this. It would all just be embedded in walls. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, this would be embedded in walls. You're right. You wouldn't have these giant whatever these things are pointed at it either. It gets... I mean, maybe you know, maybe you need it because of the way the thing is or whatever. But yeah. you know, the, similarly, the uh, the old warp core here with Kirk and Spock uh, is that Kirk? It looks like yeah, Kirk. it's Kirk and Spock. Um, and you know the the empty hallway. Uh, yeah. Well, you probably wouldn't design it like this either, unless that empty hallway is somehow integral to the idea of being a warp core. Which we know it's not from unless, one of the layers. Well, unless you, what you're seeing here is the warp core is on both sides and that hallway is some sort of access. Yeah, okay, possible. Yeah, you might be right about that. Well, I'm sure that's not what they intended. Uh, but you could rewrite it to be that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't see like any inkling of that in this warp core that they've shown here. So no. Yeah. This is some, unless there's something down has. below that we can't see or whatever. I'm sure they'll find a way to explain it. Uh, and then instead of explaining it, then not do that promptly. Forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably forget. What it, a warp it. core. Wow. Yeah. At uh, least it's closer than also the these ones. These bent bars also are like, what is this man? Why, why do this? Yeah. Do why you know make how hard thing? it is to bend pipe? Do really hard. Yeah. I, and like and I I want to hope this. that these these are cables and not pipes, but they well, look there's nothing solid. tying them up. So yeah, exactly. Why would they bend like that? Yeah, I know. It's so bad. Oh. Oh, straight runs of pipe are the best, please. Yeah, don't do this. Um, yeah. Okay, okay. So this was a, anyway. Th this was a perfectly a nice fine, aside. Uh, perfectly fine little uh, trek here. Ask not. Yeah, nothing. I, I think I have nothing bad to say about it really. Um, except that I don't like the way the warp core looks. <laughs> so either we go to the bridge episode, which is the trouble with Edward, or we go straight to the animated ones and leave the trouble with Edward for the end. Um, we can come back to Edward. Okay. I liked Edward. Um, there's, there's enough to, t Edward is one of the longer ones. So yeah. Uh, we're Ephraim talking about the original series. Let's talk about Ephraim and dot. Ephraim yeah. and dot, uh, also has these ro robots. We were just talking about in this warp core picture dot, uh -huh. I guess. Oh no. Ephraim. I don't Ephraim know. Ephraim being, I think, the Ephraim being here. the robot? The tardigrade. Ephraim's the tardigrade? I would figure Dot is the tardigrade because Ephraim's a man's name and the tardigrade lays eggs. All right, fair. I don't know. I didn't <laughs> I didn't think about it that hard. So they took the um, idea of a tardigrade from Discovery. 
they plopped it into the timeline of uh, the original series. And in fact, that literal picture we were looking at of Kirk and Spock in the hallway. Yep. Uh huh. There's they, a lot. They visit of... that hallway. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's a lot of. Well, it's so they say tardigrade eggs last years before they hatch. So Dot uh finds her way into the Enterprise uh, warp core where it's warm because they like to lay their eggs where it's warm, even though she's gonna lay them on an asteroid in space. Yeah, in space, not, really. not warm. And then lays her eggs in the Enterprise warp core mm-hmm. uh, to be harassed off of the ship by Ephraim then at that point, which is the robot thing. Mm-hmm. And then we get a fun, cool thing. I thought the whole episode was going to take place during Space Seed because that's the first scene you get as she's like looking in the windows is okay, Khan so, at the table. Right. So th- that was the other thing I wanted to point out is that there are – so many references to yeah. original series stuff going on. Yeah. It's, it's um a it's lot, a, man. It's a very Wally or um, it's like Wally and Animaniacs put together in terms of its like nature, I think, this episode. Mm. Where it's kind of like silly hijinks, but also very cute in its hijinks. Yeah. Um and yeah, then there's get, definitely a lot of like really cute moments it turns into kind of like an art film version of a time passing where every time dot gets a view into or around or of the ship time has passed inside and we're like watching different episodes of the original series yeah you see uh kirk and spock you know interviewing the guy in the sick bay bed and you see um, uh the the Fencing fight with Sulu. Yeah, shirtless Sulu doing you, the fencing thing. You, you see, watch the he, ship get refit. Mm-hmm. Uh, turns into the end. Uh, not the A, but previous to A. Then, um, you know, all the fight with Khan and then the... Right. Uh, the I think the end there is the self-destruct from, um, from six, right? At the end there? No, the self-destruct from, from three... Oh right, yes. Where they because, because the bird of yeah. prey is there. Bird okay. of prey, yeah. The bird of prey pops up, and then it's the self destruct from three. Um, and I love that transfer when we transferred into the refit version because that was like really really cool. Uh, and you know, Ephraim and Dot fight for a while, and then the robot realizes there are tardigrade eggs, and before the self destruct goes off, saves the eggs. Uh, oh, there's tri- there's a shot of tribbles at one point. Yeah, there are tribbles that come out of a panel. <laughs> yep. It's, it's a that. it's a experiential referencing of the original series, I think, is what you're looking yeah. at here. Yeah. It, really cute. I felt like uh, the way that it's animated and a lot of the uh, the effects and stuff, it almost felt like a Looney Tunes version of Star Trek. Uh, very much so, yeah. Like Looney Tunes, Animaniacs is kind of what I was saying, you know, like that, yeah, that style. But then it's it's heartfelt and cute, more like a Wally. Yeah, yeah. Totally light and easy uh, and oh, yeah. fun. I if I was going to show someone a short trick, that would probably be it, the first one. Yeah, it is the easiest one to get into because it requires basically no knowledge, and you can absorb. You have probably absorbed through osmosis enough to figure out what they're referencing in yeah. some cases. 
You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of like a, a person with a budget doing those things that we used to watch for Star Trek. Those like Carbot or not Star Trek, Car Starcraft, like those Carbot videos mm. where like mm-hmm. they're making fun and jokes and all that sort of stuff of the material. But like somebody was handed money and they were like, hey, go make a, make a high budget. What are these high please? YouTube high budget YouTube video about Star Trek, the original series? Yeah. Anyway, I believe it. It's cute. The girl who made the stars. And was, this is... It was oh, unexpected. Yes. Uh, another animated short. Um, it computer was, animation this time. Yes, computer animation this time. Uh, you know, I, this one sort of took the place... Or, well, it literally takes place as a bedtime story that Michael's father is telling Michael. Michael Burnham. Uh, Michael Burnham. The yeah. uh, Michael's original father, not... Not Sarek. Oh, right. Yes. Her actual biological father. Uh, is She's there at the place where her parents are eventually capped mm-hmm. <laughs> because she references being all alone out there. They're in the right. like, space the, pod and whatever. The scary place. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. And she has a nightmare and her father tells her this um, this bedtime story of a girl who saves her village by creating the stars. She He calls them the first people on Earth. Yeah. Calls them the first people were afraid of the dark because there were no stars. So. Uh, which, again, first peoples is like a specific, like, African uh, reference to peoples that grew up in that area, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so, like, there's no stars, and so they... They would never go out at night because there's a creature there and they don't want to anger the night creature. Yep. And so they lived in fear uh, and the girl decides to go anyway with her pet friend, Bug. Not clear. The bug kind of leaves. We sort of lose the bug. She captures a firefly and uses it as a flashlight, kind of. Yeah. But then drops the egg. Yeah, I was not clear what the thing. I was like, "How did the firefly have the egg?" I, she put it in there, but what? Yeah, yeah. It was like a lantern, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, and then uh, a a big light shines in the sky. She goes and investigates because she's curious. She was afraid because it was dark and scary. Yeah, but she she was more curious than afraid. Right. That's the that's lesson. The, that's the lesson right there. Uh, they find an alien who. Gives her magic star dust or something. So is this the alien from Independence Day or what? Dude, I don't know. Kinda. <laughs> I've never seen this alien before. I don't. Think. I mean, it's a it's a fairy tale, so I don't know that it's meant to be, you know, literal. I hope. I well, you would think that it would be referential at least in the alien. Uh, I, it but was I don't not a recognize reference. the alien off the yeah, not, top of my head. It was not a reference to any kind of Star Trek alien I could, I could think of. Right. Uh, so she brings the the stars back to her village and shows them that they don't need to be afraid of the night anymore, and that eventually she becomes the queen. The end. It was good. Yeah, it's very cute. Again, a- another very cute kind of like, it, like the other one, although it's a different style of animation. Yeah, you know, very um, yeah, like a bedtime story, very like saccharine and cute. Um, little yeah. morality tale here. I mean, it really looks like the aliens from Independence Day. It's got the, the octopus arms. All these the weird arms and face. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 
the thing that I noticed immediately was like, oh, are they going to comment on the fact that the alien is wearing like a suit, <laughs> you know, because yeah. like clearly can't breathe our air or whatever. And, yeah. Uh, nope. No, no comment on that stuff. Interesting. Yeah. It was it's... again, the, the these last two animated ones were like even shorter than the other short tricks. Yeah. Well, the animation takes a lot of time and money. It's, so. it's expensive. Yes, I get it. Um, interesting. I enjoyed that one as well. I did. Yeah. I, I would show that to kids. Yes. It's very kid friendly. Both of yeah. these last two. Yeah. All right. All the right. big daddy of those, these episodes, in my opinion, yeah. is the trouble with Edward. H. John Benjamin oh my God, is a what national a hero. What a, a reveal. What Why a is reveal. this man not in everything? Oh, what a treasure, man. I I didn't know that he was in this, and I, I love I. it. So, so great. before we start, this episode has the thing at the very beginning that I was going to say that comes from the Telvin, Kelvin timeline that I do like is uh, the new exit from Warp. Mm. So, like... In in the TNG days, you got the build up and then the pew, which is great. Yeah, right. Uh, it still kind of exists. It's just foreshortened now to be a little bit less build up, and you still get the pew. Um, but now the exit, instead of it being the wind down and slow down thing, like it used to be, where you'd like come down from warp and yeah. sort of slow your way into space, uh. The ships just sort of pop out, and they're like, bang, I'm here. Yeah. Which is, I wonder what the stresses on the hull are for doing that. But uh, it's very, it's memorable, the way that it happens now, how they pop out of warp, that sound, pow. It's I, I kind of like it. it. All, I, it's weird. It, it, it takes some getting used to because it sounds like they show up and it's like, bang, like someone is yeah, like punching really something good. or whatever. It's really good. That bang sound is really good. It's, uh, I don't know. I am, okay. I, I I'm, can t- see I'm it. torn on it. I am okay. torn on it. Podcast, we weigh in. Yes, please. Maybe we'll do a All poll. Right. Uh, so, oh my God, this episode is so good. So uh, Pike, it starts with Pike and one of his officers, science officer, maybe. Yeah, uh, she's played. She's played by Rosa Salazar, uh, who's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, and and the she's actress very was good very at her familiar. job. Uh, in, um, it, in this and in those things. And Pike is wishing her well on her new job as captain. She's becoming captain of a science vessel, right? Because she is an amazing scientist, and they need someone to take over this vessel who is an amazing scientist to lead a team of scientists to solve a food crisis near the Klingon border. Right. There's some kind of food thing that they've been doing. Um, and so she gets there and is having a staff meeting or talking with the team. And there's clearly an awkward dude there <laughs> who's played by H. John Benjamin. No, you gotta, you gotta do the thing because they don't reveal him right away. She's doing a science round table and she's like, All right, so hydroponics, what have you been working on? And like this, what have you been working on? What have you been working on? And then they slowly like pan across the table and there's H. John Benjamin just like uh fidgeting and playing like I, he's like uh I didn't know we were allowed to like share resources. I, I don't have any of my homework. What do you you know, like yeah, like the teacher, he he has the look where like the teacher has called on him and he didn't realize uh, something was due today. So Im- immediately trouble. becomes like I, 
I'll tell you what my idea is for my homework, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. basically immediately launches into tribbles, right? Uh, yeah, his thing is immediately like, Hey, I, you know, these things we could use them and they breed really fast. We could well, they don't. Food. No, 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 they don't. Oh, so initially they in, don't. Right. Yeah, he's like, the, but they, they're very dense. They could be used for food, but you know, there's issues or whatever. And yeah, everyone's no, just it, kind of he, staring at him. He talks about a tribble and he's like, it's it's like the most perfect animal for, for hunting because they're they don't move. They just you can walk <laughs> they have no self defense or anything. You could just walk up and kill them. It like imagine H. John Benjamin describing all this stuff to you. He said one fell off of his desk and just died. He died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like actually one fell off my desk and it and it died. And yeah. Uh, and th- meanwhile, everyone is Everyone's just like staring at him like, like he's insane. Believe- he's like, yeah, they'd be good protein. I mean, I- I've eaten a few. And then people are like, well, are what? they sent- Are they sentient? He's like, you mean like, are we worried about whether their, or not their feet? Like, are they going to escape? Like, like, no, no. I mean, I could make them. <laughs> they brain kind of dam- just- He says, he says, I could make them brain <laughs> yeah, damaged. Brain damaged. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, so we wouldn't feel bad. And they're like, what what are you doing yeah and the then he does like, say okay. he does say the only problem with them as being a protein source is they breed very slowly right really funny that whole first scene is really really funny i and i the, had to pause it because i was like crying was very, laughing it was so good. very very funny oh man uh, i'm thinking the, about it now and i'm already laughing oh and the cat and the captain like humors his little report at the end and is like okay like Kind of pets him on the head and he's like, "We're gonna reassign you now. You're gonna do this now. Yeah. Work with these people." So <laughs> this line is so you know, good. Let's, uh... The line is so good. She says, "We're gonna put you in climate, like we're gonna put you in climatology. You worry, you can help them out." And he's like, "Well, I'm a protein specialist." And she's just like, "Well, we're all scientists here. Maybe it's time to learn something. We're new. gonna learn. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna learn something new. This is dumb. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Oh man, um." So obviously he uh, does not continue to work on climate. He works on tribbles again, while at the same time sending anonymous emails. Apparently, I would like to know how there's anonymous emails in that century. Because I would also like to know how he's submitting feedback like above her head, yeah. basically. But she calls him into his office and says that people have sent anonymous emails to her boss claiming that she is bad at her job and dumb. Dumb. Dumb is the one I like. <laughs> it's like she's been bad at her job then, or whatever. Okay. But then he's like, she's dumb. She's, he latches onto that and says, Do you think you're bad at your job? He's like, <laughs> Do you think you're dumb? No, he doesn't say. He, he latches onto the uh, the job one. Oh my God. It's so good. It's the. I've always loved his delivery. He's so good in animated shows. But like, yeah. you'd think you'd think that he gets help from from the animation right like they can make it do anything it's want they want so they can give it more comedic timing like a lot of times in archer archer pauses for a long amount of time thinking about what he's going to say and then says something really stupid mhm mm-hmm. and you'd think oh well that's just the animation but like he has the same exact timing in the lo- in person, it's just yeah, him. It's just him. Yeah, 
it, it is really, really impressive listening to him and watching him act because I think the, for, I mean, first off, he's playing like a really awkward guy. And so the delivery works because yes. uh-huh. he, the guy is like clearly socially awkward of and is being put in an awkward place and asked to do things he doesn't want to do. They did the right thing with him too, where he doesn't quite look like he's comfortable in the uniform. He looks like it's pressing oh, yeah. up on him. It, yeah, they, they made it a little too tight around the midsection yeah. and like, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. It's not. Uh, it's very good. And, you know, he's always like on the defensive every time the captain shows up and asks uh-huh. him anything. And, and and so and because of that, right, his natural delivery of this, like, I don't, know, I don't want to say stilted is the wrong word, but he has like a cadence, right, yeah. where it, that he speaks. It works because it sounds like someone who is nervous and doesn't understand what they're what's going on and like doesn't like all this new stuff that's going on around him. It's really, really good. Yeah, even even as Werner Herzog has that staccato that you've come to know, mm-hmm. H. John Benjamin's. I, it was nice to know that that is his natural rhythm and and place where you know, like the animated version of him is him. It's not. They have not put extra timing on him, and that's cool. Yeah. It's interesting because I always assumed that they had in Archer yeah. to make him speak like that, but I yeah. guess this is just how he talks. That's yeah. very interesting. Uh, he sprays a triple, which with what we find later is his own DNA <laughs> in order you to sp- really wonder. I mean, like this dude, does he have ethics? Not no, clear. Clearly not. Clearly <laughs> not. Where he's, the, you know that the minute he says he could brain damage one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's so bad. Yeah. It's uh, terrible. And, and and so he's like, yeah, you know, he's just like carrying on with his triple experiments on the side in yep. Uh, you know, a, a, a underground illegal genetic modification experiments, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it goes wrong. It goes bad, and the tribbles start multiplying everywhere, uh, just as, as, as they as do. Tribbles do. Uh, and I wrote down this Johnny Appleseed song. LOL, <laughs> really good. <laughs> Uh, it's just like people walking around with like vacuums and <laughs> yeah, they're, stuff. they're trying to shoot them. They're trying to vacuum them. They're trying to blow them out into space, but they're coming out of every pipe and orifice and everything. I don't remember them being the, this prodigious in the other series. I thought they controlled their population in those. I don't know how. I think in the other series, they like keep them in deep storage cryo storage. Oh, that's or right. They freeze them. Yeah, and then they right. don't. And then the problem was once they got into the grains or whatever at that starbase, then the starbase just became overrun. That's right. That's right. Uh, so that happens to this ship. They have no idea how to control them. The captain eventually loses control. Uh, this is when you find out that he has spliced them together with his own DNA, and they are then born pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> which is a funny thing that they say about tribbles, actually. In the original series when you first meet them right like yep. in trouble with tribbles they born they pregnant. literally say it's like as far as i can tell captain they seem to be born pregnant yeah yeah <laughs> pretty good um, uh-huh so and they, then uh... the, the, ca- the captain's debrief at the end uh oh well know, so they abandon the... ship first yeah gotta... they ab- they abandon ship uh and the ship like <laughs> with, explodes well with h john benjamin walking around the decaying ship with tribbles everywhere while like, he's petting a tribble He's petting a Tribble, and everyone's running away towards the escape pod, and he's just like, see, I'm a genius. I made this. I'm not dumb. You're dumb. <laughs> She's like, yeah. you wrote my boss and said I was dumb. 
She's like, okay, we're closing the door. Let's yeah. go. We got to go, man. And then she closes the, the hatch as he gets overrun by Tribbles. Yeah, yes. and then a, the a wave of Tribbles. The captain's debrief is pretty good. The, uh, they're like, so you're saying you lost a ship. Yeah. In the first like, days of your command. Days of your command. What happened? She's like, he was an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they, there's a little nugget in there that the Tribbles... Uh, destroyed the ship, obviously, uh, but then made, made it, to it down planet. to the planet, which they then had to evacuate because they overtook right, they... the planet and then yep. somehow made it off of the planet and into Klingon space, which is the other Easter egg of Worf hates Tribbles. And why they show up later uh, yeah. in Trouble with Tribbles. Yep. Pretty um, good. Did you watch the commercial at the end? No. Was there a commercial at the end? Oh, Andrew. All right, hold okay, on. Pause hold this on. podcast. No, we'll we'll uh we'll, we'll do it live. Okay. Um just be careful of the sound. Um Okay, the, I'll I'll turn it down. There is sound and it is very good. You need to hear it. At the very end of this short okay. is a I can't tell if it's a fake commercial or a real commercial. One would hope. For Tribble cereal oh i see it it's right here okay when was this was it after the credits yes after the credits was there any other there are other things after the other episodes right like i um, i looked no there are none after any of the other ones okay here we go i'm watching the ad now uss ravenous stardate breakfast yeah tribbles cereal okay so it's like a oh no yeah pouring a box that just has little tiny tribbles in it and then it just keeps pouring because they can't the box is never empty and it's just, they're little furry things and the kids yeah, are like the kids are like it's excited. like they're hairy ew gross oh my god there's a little one mm-hmm. the fur it tickles and then she sticks it in her mouth yeah also oh, gross oh it's gross <laughs> It's it's my DNA. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Destroy your replicator safety protocols and set it for tribbles. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> they don't let you make this thing because it's spicy horrible. ranch tribble cereal. Oh my <laughs> yeah, God. The flavors are so silly. <laughs> this is so disgusting. <laughs> In the ad, the the uh, the uh, the animation triples itself while you're watching it, like the little animated triple. Yep, yeah, starts they're, replicating. They're, their little mascot is like one mascot, and then two more pop up yeah, next to uh-huh. him. Pretty good. Okay, wow. Well, they should have put that at the beginning or something because, like, that's they should because I wouldn't have watched any of past the credits. Yeah, it's oh, good. Man, that's good. So that's you're welcome really for uh, me showing you. My Thank you. I would have missed that. <laughs> oh my god, that was awesome. It's so uh, disgusting. It's it. They're hairy, dude. Ew, yeah. ew, 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 ew. Can imagine it's like the, the kids like even in the commercial are like they're hairy. It's like ew. Oh, gross. I think that the the animateds are a standout because they're good in terms of just being standalone things. Mm-hmm. And the trouble with Edward is by far the best. And they they seem to have done the thing in reverse they did with Tilly. Tilly they set up for using later. This one they back they backed into like hey. This is the time. If if now not not if not now, not now when, 
Yeah. Uh, would we ever have the ability to give Tribbles a backstory? So. Um, and like you know, it, I appreciate this because uh, this episode because it really was a like self-contained thing. Yeah. It didn't really affect you know. It, it sort of like told you the backstory of a thing that didn't need a backstory, but it was fun that they did it. Yeah. And the episode itself was good. There were funny parts. It didn't. Ha- it wasn't like overly long and dramatic. Yeah. They didn't have like a bunch of horrible CG stuff all over it. Nope. That they, they didn't. You know, they, there was a everything about this episode is what I want out of Star Trek. Yeah. Even the even the fact that there were jokes is good. And like you know, look, you don't have to get H. John Benjamin every time. I'm sure the man is very busy. But you know, you can get guests and do a good job with them, and they make the whole thing better. Next Generation um, was funny often. Not every episode, but sometimes there were good jokes. Yeah. You know, in a lot of cases, you're using Data or Geordi or, yeah. you know, Riker, even in some cases, as the, like, comedic yep. straight often. man or whatever yeah. um, to, you know, give uh, whoever, Crusher or Deanna or whomever, a yep. a, a funny line. And, uh, it, it, you know, the story has to have some levity. Um, and... <laughs> This one was, you know, clearly meant as a joke, but it was, yeah. it was good. It was good. I, good. I laughed a lot watching this. Very, very good. And I'm glad it wasn't uh, like a thing they did. Obviously, it wouldn't fit in Lower Decks because of the timeline, but like, I wasn't, right. I'm glad it wasn't one of the animated ones. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this worked as a live action one. Um, I don't think it would have been I'm as funny animated. It would have been funny. But like, it would have still been funny. Yeah, the but. awkwardness of real life H. John was very good. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, I think it's safe to say next episode we'll start talking about some Discovery. Yeah, so Discovery Season 3, I think there's like four or five episodes out as we so record we'll do a, this. We'll do a batch as our first episode. We'll do a, yeah, we'll do the first several. Maybe three or four, I don't know. Yeah, depending I don't know, whatever on. we feel like doing. But that'll be yeah, the next one for... Through. Our next subspace transmission, if you have any uh, stuff in the meantime. Yeah, you can send that to podcast at weweregamers.com. Put subspace if there's there's a prime directive book, man. We are not. We are serious. We will read that book and talk about it because I am curious. Um, And, you know, subscribe to this podcast and all the We Were Gamers podcasts, wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Yeah. We'll uh, see you all when we pop out of warp next month. Uh, mic check. I'm scooting up to my mic like I normally would be. Oh, okay. No, that's good. I was looking at my... Weird. I don't know why my recording was not there. It works. Okay, great. Good. Yeah. Weird stuff happens in OBS all the time. You know it, my man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I woke up this morning to an article from Defector about how to dejuice baseballs so there are less home runs and baseball is good again. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, this guy interviews a PhD astrophysicist uh, who works for like a sports company mm. about like COR and a whole bunch of stuff that like he is dumb and doesn't understand. And it's very good. They're just talking like 
hey, what if you like change the yarn or made the ball like a little bit thicker or all these things? Like, how mm-hmm. does it affect it? And the, they're like, you know, explaining it. It's really good. That's cool. Isn't it also about bats or is it just about the ball? Uh, I don't know. They're only talking about the ball here. So I, I don't know whether bats are also a problem. Oh, I see. Uh, possible. Certainly possible, right? Yeah. It sounds like the, the thing they're saying, though, is like, hey, you know, physics is kind of like you can't beat physics in a lot of cases. And, you know, there's a like it is. There's a certain amount of, of yeah. uh, equal and opposite reaction that's always going to take place. Well, that, but also, like, if you want to make the ball more dead and less, you know, bouncy. um, Right, so the the thing that is the problem is when the bat hits the ball, right, the ball doesn't squish very much. Sure. That's the problem. Uh Uh-huh. Or, well, that's the thing that makes it, you know, more energy, right? So you want less energy, so you want to make the ball squishier. So in order to do that, you have to change the materials of the ball, or the size of the ball or like the height of the laces or all these various things about which there are rules that MLB has set. It's like you can just do it unilaterally or whatever. They used to, the balls used to be made by one person, like one, not one person, but like one person's company or whatever. Yeah. Apparently all of the like interior of the ball and stuff is all made by machine now. I don't know Uh, why I thought at some point that all of it was, done by hand that's a dumb idea of course like yeah they go through a lot of baseballs that'd be like one <laughs> a lot of people just like sitting there furiously winding maybe i'm thinking um, about footballs because i know rawlings makes baseballs they do yeah they do so maybe i'm thinking of footballs all the maybe all the footballs are made by one person not one person yeah. but you know what i mean like like one specific company yeah, or one whatever specific location at one place I mean, it's still possible they do that with baseballs also. It's just that they start way in advance. I don't know. They've gotten to the point that, like, literally every other pitch, the baseball is gone. So That is one of the things they're talking about. Like, hey, you know, MLB used to reuse the balls and stuff more. Meaning Uh, they'd get dinged up and bent and... Yeah, yeah. And they're saying, like, hey, you know, if we did this, would that make, you know tears and you know all these sorts of things that would affect the drag on the ball and make it harder to hit home runs and stuff yeah and they're like yeah maybe um it would also probably make the uh pitching harder yeah it, anyway it's an interesting article um and very long and the uh phd person is very patient with this idiot sports writer um which is <laughs> nice awesome are you a uh, sub for them yeah, man. Yeah. Ah. Uh, I think, is their content free? I don't know how much of their content is free because I pay for it. So I don't know. Uh... I don't know. Yeah. It looks like I... it is. I mean. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't know. I can't tell how much of their stuff is free versus paid. Um, I, I pay for the lowest tier. It's like $70 a year or something. That's cool. Well, hopefully they keep going. It seems like they they have the right uh, of it in terms of the. I don't know. They're, they have the apparent, they have the pulse right of what people actually want to read about, kind of. I think they're. Um, I mean, I liked them before when they were at Deadspin, and what happened to that site is criminal in how good it was at doing stuff like this, and then they just kind of like threw it away. Um. 
but because they own this website now, they don't have <laughs> to chase clicks like Deadspin always did. Right, sure. So there's there's less like dumb list kind of articles. This there is... are still list articles, but it's because they wanted to write a list, not because like the lists are important. I or, mean, like, they have they have they have the idea of what journalism, quote unquote, as an industry, not as yeah, uh, direct journalism or whatever you want to call it is going to be, which is small niche sites that are going to be sub based, not mm-hmm. not click based, right? Yeah, and, and, uh, and I that's a bad thing in the long run, I think. But in the short term, it'll keep a lot of people their jobs. I think the. I think I agree with you in the long run. Like if every website was required a subscription, right? how many are you going to subscribe to? Right. How and many different perspectives will you hear? And how, what will, what will your neighbors be reading? That's the right. Issue. I mean, yeah, like it, in the larger sense, it becomes a problem, but for companies that can't compete at that scale, right? Absolutely. Like it, mm-hmm. yeah, it makes, makes tons of sense. Yep. I also subscribe to a, um, political blog, um, which is less expensive, but also produces like way less content. Um, and it's it, you know the these are these are things that if they just launched a website or whatever, like they wouldn't get any ad traffic because no one would go there, right? And you know no one would click on this stuff. But if people are paying them, you know, fifty bucks a year, seventy bucks a year, whatever the you know ninety dollars a year, if you want to comment on their website, like you know the that's at least something and yeah. the subscription model gives them the freedom to say like eh, we don't want to run an article about this like the hot topic of the blue dress today like this who cares we don't need to do this sure and, yeah, yeah and then they don't right yeah and that's okay and good and nice that they get that choice instead of having to chase whatever the trends of the day are all the time well and it's nice that they can run articles like this one Sports league, sports leagues have even stopped pretending to give, uh, you know. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, and they like are if they merciless. wrote this article. Oh, whoa, yeah. But if they wrote this article at, um, Deadspin, the people would be all over them because they'd be losing access, right? Like, uh, oh, you Dead... can't write negative stuff about. Uh, Deadspin didn't care about access. They didn't have any for the oh, same okay. reasons because they were critical of all the leaks. Okay. Well, if you write ESPN, um, but... you couldn't write this. Right, absolutely. And that is the like the major problem with every single person that works at ESPN, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, like, it, you know, as much as NFL, you know, ESPN has all these NFL insiders and all these people who know stuff or whatever, like they all rely on access and you therefore can't trust anything they say because they need to preserve the access. It, like how you can tell if something is really bad is if like if Schefter tweets up critically about something, yeah. They must have screwed up really bad. Holy <laughs> cow, man. It's like, you know, if Schefter is a, like if, if, if the good boy Schefter got the, uh, got the approval to post something slightly negative. Oh boy. They must have been in really bad shape. <laughs> it's like, Oh, they literally were determined to be actual Hitler. Like, okay, fine. You can post a slightly negative thing about them. Do you see this article that Michael just sent before we get started right now? Where, what, which one? My baby Yoda canceled amid accusation accusations of genocide. Dude, yes, so true. Thank you. 
That's for later. I'll read that one. Did you watch that honest trailer we post, put up? No, I had I clicked on it this morning also, and it's in my second tab after this baseball article. All right. Well, after we're done, you need to watch it. It's pretty good, and it has I, your exact quote about we're not calling him the child. Yeah. Good. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Oh.